0: Effects of the budget shutdown linger on, and banks' earnings season rolls on. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Copenheffer, and right here next to me, as always, well, as always usually, yes, is David Hansen. Not always on your end. Not- You're back. It's good Thanks. to have you back. It's good, it's good to be back. David, I was gone for two weeks mm-hmm. in Africa. Did I miss anything?
1: You didn't miss anything. Nothing they're saying before. I think it all happened. A lot of turmoil in between, but I think you said the stock market's up five percent since you've been gone. So maybe you should go way more often.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd like that. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and hit the headlines here. The first one on the list today is from DealBook: Stalemate in Washington may dent Wall Street profits. Report warns. So this is all about the lingering effects: mm-hmm. the budget shutdown, the the debt ceiling uh, discussion. That that this will that this will hit. Wall Street and in the second half. Do you think investors should be concerned about this?
1: No, 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 no. I'm, sh- I'm shocked I was expecting not to a, say yes. Not at all. And I think it's I mean, they're saying the rest of 2013, we only have one more quarter to go. It's not like it's they're forecasting out very But it's far a whole here. quarter. A whole quarter. No, I think this will be short-term effects. We saw fixed income trading was down at all the big banks. Loan growth not great. It's probably going to be the same story in the fourth quarter. I don't know if we can... We're definitely not going to be able to go in and say, oh, that's because of the government shutdown. So I think it's a a very short-term thing. I wouldn't be worried about Goldman Sachs, about Citigroup. Some of the companies that were in this article as mentioned is uh, profits may be slowing, so I'm not concerned.
0: I I think when we talk about... The companies that we talk about, we're talking about bigger picture things. We're talking about investing for multiple numbers mm-hmm. of years and in in stories that will last a lot longer than this. So when we talk about Bank of America, we're talking about this repair process where it's getting back to being a, a good, solid bank that we can count on. That will continue aside from this one-half of 2013. Mm-hmm. When we talk about J.P. Morgan, it's about getting past these legal issues, which, by the way, was one of the small things that happened while I was gone. Uh, that will continue to, to, yep. to play out even despite the second half of 2013.
1: All right. I'm moving on to the next. We've got two headlines here. It's a twofer again. The first one is from American banker Synovus misses 3Q estimates after TARP exit. So they got rid of the TARP. They got done with that part. But the business itself not great. I looked through the numbers briefly this morning, not super in-depth yet, but the business itself didn't look to be firing on all cylinders. Mortgage banking was down, not a surprise there. Mm-hmm. But other things were down too, card fees, service charges, those also down. Not not super encouraging. It's still a bank that that's repairing, that's getting back to normal operating levels. So not a great quarter, but I'm not... Super happy about it. Either. What was the? You said there was a two for here. What was the second one? The second one is from the Wall Street Journal. This is about Regions. Regions profit falls 6.1 percent in third quarter amid lower revenue. So it doesn't seem to be good news over at Regions either. But I took a look at the earnings here, and I wasn't that discouraged. Net interest margin is improving, and that's not because they're going out and making a lot of loans and getting more income. It's because of the cost of their deposits is going down. From before the crisis, they had a bunch of CDs on their books. Mm-hmm. They were paying huge rates on this. These are slowly rolling off, so they're seeing the benefit there. Other things just slowly getting better over, over at Regions. I'm a shareholder right now. I don't see the stock as very attractive right now. I, th- I think it's more of a hold, in my opinion. Yep. I think it's fairly valued. It's continuing to recover. It still has a return on assets of around 1%. So. Pretty solid performance over there at Regions, but I'm not rushing out and buying more today. I think you could you could have gotten a good deal
0: on Regions, and, and I'm also a shareholder, and I was pretty happy with the price when I did get it today. I'm more on uh, on the page that you are. Mm-hmm. In terms of both of these, one thing that I will point out is that these are two banks that, from a regional perspective, were in a very bad place to yep. be lending during the financial crisis. So what I would point out in both of these earnings reports is that credit quality continues to improve. And despite the top-line troubles, I, I still think that that's something that investors can uh, can take comfort with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I'll point out here is this continues to smash the idea that low interest rates are free money for banks. The low interest rates are exactly why these banks are struggling. Absolutely. Third headline of the day is from Bloomberg. Discover Profit drops 6.9% on, boom, on, on boost in loss reserves. Everybody's profit's dropping. Come on. No bueno. Uh, Particularly for me, this was one of my picks Mm -hmm. for the, the fantasy stock draft that we did. And if it weren't for this, if it weren't for the drop today, all five of my picks would
1: be beating the market. Enough boasting there. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The the market market was not happy when they reported either. Last night it was down 6% after hours. I thought it was an overreaction. What did did you think?
0: Well, look, when we're we're talking about the banks, one of the things that, like I was just saying, you can take comfort in is credit quality continuing Mm -hmm. to improve. So I don't like the idea that you've got this big boost in loss reserves at Discover. However, it's a little bit of a different situation here because... With the mortgages, with the bank uh, lending in the in the mortgage market, that got really bad and is now improving. The credit card industry did not really see that as much. There was this big expectation that there would be a huge boost in, in credit card charge-offs that really didn't come to to the extent that people were expecting, and credit card delinquencies stayed low. So there there was less of you were working off of a lower base. Mm-hmm. So maybe this isn't as surprising as it should be. Uh, I do like the focus on expanding Discover's presence. Uh, they're talking about that in this article and the partnership with eBay's PayPal. I think both of those are good news mm-hmm. for the future because that's really where it's at, I think, for Discover.
1: And what, one thing to watch over at Discover that's pretty unique to them is student loans. We've seen a lot of the big mm-hmm. banks exit this business. Discover's been adding student loans. Around 13% of their loans are student loans. That delinquency is pretty high. came down from last quarter, but it's still pretty high compared to... Um, some of the other banks there. So one thing to watch it discover, it's not a huge part of their business, but if it continues to get bigger and delinquencies rise, could be a concern.
0: Did you notice that this, was this loss reserve? Was that tied to student loans at all? Or? I
1: think it was more so tied to, to credit cards right. and they cited the biggest reason was job losses, which is a little bit concerning for the economy as a whole, but oh, we'll see.
0: It's not uh, not a positive. Anyway, moving on to the in-focus. What I wanted to talk about a little bit today is I I've been gone for two weeks mm-hmm. and when I, when I left, when I left for this trip, things in the market were not looking so great. And what, what I did was I went back to October 8th, that's when I left, October 8th, and looked for a couple of the headlines on that day. Mm-hmm. And, and here were a few that I found. Uh, over at Fortune, tech stocks crushed as debt ceiling looms. The USA Today, NASDAQ tumbles 2% as shutdown drags on. And Chicago Sun-Times, investors wait on
1: Washington while stocks continue to slide. And thousands weep as Matt Kopenhauer leaves the country, right? Well, yes, yes. Of, of
0: course, of course. There is, there is always that.
1: <laughs> it was
0: mostly just you weeping, okay, but yeah. I, I, I do appreciate that. So I came, back, I, I came back today, and I took a look at so what's actually happened over that two weeks. Because I, I should say, when I left, I left my portfolio as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in fact, right before I left, I bought... Uh, some Citigroup stock. I added Citigroup to my portfolio. It took me a while to do it. I maybe should have done it sooner, but I've, I've done it now. And while I was away, I didn't check my stocks. I didn't check my stocks at all. I didn't check the market at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that was because I just don't do that, particularly on vacation, because I'm afraid that my wife will smash my phone or whatever device that I'm using. Part of it because I was in Africa and a lot of right. <laughs> I didn't have very many op- opportunities. So anyway, I come back today. S and P up 5.4% over the time that I was gone. Uh, Citigroup up 7.1% since since when I left. And Bank of America up 6.1%. And and one of the things that I should mention, too, is that over the period when I was gone, that was when a lot of these big banks, including Citigroup, mm-hmm. including Bank of America, were going to be reporting earnings. So there is even more of this opportunity for or volatility. News. Yeah. Quote news. Exactly. <laughs> more, more news that I was going to be missing. So, look, the, the point here is that this is a two-week period, and, and I know that there are some investors out there that this would be a really uncomfortable thing to do, to leave for two weeks, particularly when there's something big mm-hmm. like this budget uh, shutdown going on. <clears throat> but as we talk about on this show, we're always thinking in terms of five years, mm-hmm. thinking in terms of 10 years. And so when I was leaving to go away, it didn't even cross my mind, well, let me, let me rearrange my portfolio so that it's in in such a space that I can leave for two weeks and feel okay. Uh, because I've already ha- I already have it in a state where I'm thinking this is where I want it over the next five years. Uh, nor was I thinking, well, I've got to find a place where I can get Internet access in, in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. so that I can check my stocks every day that I'm there. Um, I may sound like a broken record talking about this because we've talked about this a lot before, how, in general, I tend to not want to check my stocks and how they're doing except on a quarterly basis, really, at most. Uh, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with sounding like a broken record on that because I think it's really important. I think it's really important to think about these in terms of businesses, think about them in terms of the long term and, and the big the big stories that are going on, the big transformations that are going on, the big uh, opportunities that are happening, as
1: opposed to these little things that are happening day to day, even week to week we had Morgan Housel on the show yesterday, we pulled out a quote from Carl Richards, and he said, is the market volatile if you don't watch it? Kind of like, if a tree falls (laughs) in a a a forest. And I think it seems like the answer is, no, it doesn't really matter, because it's still going to have its ups and downs, but in the end, while you were gone, we went through the debt ceiling, the government shutdown, bank earnings, all this stuff. It was a good time to be gone, I'm not going to lie. And it didn't matter, and we had Morgan on a couple uh, episodes before, and he said, This stuff doesn't matter. It's all noise in the short run. It does not matter. It doesn't matter in the long run. It doesn't matter in the short run.
0: Well, and and again, I mean, the expectation when I left wasn't that I think the market is going to go up. But the fact that it has gone up, Mm -hmm. if somebody had been watching this over two weeks and the volatility just gave them a little bit too much unease because they're watching their stocks every day Mm -hmm. and they decide to sell a bunch of stuff, now not only are they not invested, they've missed out on some nice gains along the way. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. All right. The game for the day. A little bit of would you rather. Why don't you give us the first scenario here? All oh, right. l- let, me, let, me, let me walk through really quick. Would you rather? We've got
1: three scenarios
0: here. Simple, simple rules. Pretty basic would you would rather. Would you rather one way or
1: the other? Okay. All right. The first one is, talking a little mortgage reads here, it says, Would you rather have $10,000 of Two Harbor stock or $12,500 of American Capital Agency stock? So just a quick primer on both of these two. Two Harbors is a mortgage rate that invests in agency mortgage-backed securities and non-agency mortgage-backed securities and some other just mortgage stuff. They they do a little bit of everything. And then American Capital Agency only invests in agency mortgage-backed securities. Those are backed by Fannie and Freddie. So Matt which would you rather do?
0: Okay, so so I've got to ask here, is there is there a required holding period? We played we
1: played it we played the same game, not the same question with John Reeves. He asked the same thing. And I said <laughs> no, but I'm going to say the required holding period here is 5 years.
0: Oh, you have have to hold for 5 years. Yeah, we're long-term here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so, so I'll, I'll point out, let, let, me, let me note here that Two Harbors, that's part of, that was part of my fantasy stock draft portfolio mm-hmm. as well. And just a reminder to viewers and listeners that they can follow our portfolio on TMF Stock Draft 13 mm-hmm. on CAPS, yep. if a CAPS portfolio set up. I'm going to go with AGNC. It, it, I, I vastly prefer uh, Two Harbors on a one-to-one basis, but if you're going to give me 25, a 25% buffer there... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to go with with American Capital, and I, I think that
1: 25% buffer will make up the difference. Do you have something different to say? I don't know. I don't want to agree with you, so I'm not going to. I'm going to go with Two Harbors, <laughs> and the 25%. It sounds big off the top, but if we look five years, if you get an annual rate of return of 15% at Two Harbors mm-hmm. and only 10 at American Capital, American Capital Agency, I should say. Uh, then you break even. So over the long run, I think two harbors can produce returns in excess of that five percent little window there of AG&C. So I'm going to go with two harbors.
0: One, one other thing that I'll point out that would that would back up your position of, of going with two harbors. Not all that long ago, American Capital Agency was selling at a, a very significant discount to book value. Yeah. That has since changed, and I, I looked this morning, and American Capital Agency and two harbors are actually selling at the same mm-hmm. book value multiple and. On that basis, and again, on a one-to-one, if you're not giving me 25% more money, I'm definitely taking
1: two harbors mm-hmm. over AGNC in And, and we'll, we should note that that multiple could change when American Capital Agency reports earnings. I think they report next week on the 28th, so sure. we'll be watching that. All right. Here
0: is the second scenario. Would you rather own a cheap recovering bank or an expensive thriving bank?
1: I'm going to go with an expensive thriving bank here. We talked about some... Well, maybe not as cheap as they used to be. We talked about Synovus and Regions Financial earlier in the show. How those were they used to be really cheap, recovering banks. Mm-hmm. They're not quite there anymore, and those those were good buys if you got them at the dirt cheap levels. But over the long haul, I would go with an expensive, thriving bank like a U.S. Bancorp. Looks expensive on paper, but when you look at the returns, the returns are there to justify a compounding book value over time. So I'm going expensive. What do you say?
0: I am glad you said that because I'm going with a cheap, recovering bank. Okay. W- when I look at Regions today So you just pointed out Regions in, as an example I would no longer Characterize that As a, as a cheap bank I agree. It's, it's really not anymore uh, What were we saying It's multiple now is, is roughly in the same range As like PNC mm-hmm. And PNC I wouldn't I, There's some recovery of, of, of the banking sector In general And mm-hmm. PNC is subject to that But when I look at Citigroup And the valuation there When I look at Bank of America And the valuation there I think that there is More of a cheapness still involved in that, and both of those are certainly still recovering. And I think if we look back two, three years from now, those multiples and those banks are going to look more like expensive, thriving banks. I'm going
1: with the cheap recoveries. All right, moving on to the last scenario of the day. This one's about your boy. We haven't talked about him in a while with, with you. We talked about him with Morgan, but not with you. Would you rather give your life savings to Warren Buffett to invest, or three other investors of your choice? What do you say?
0: I'm going with three other investors. That may surprise you. You're disowning maybe, Warren. Maybe, maybe not. Look, the thing is, is that, first of all, Buffett is is not so much – we, we could slice and dice this scenario any way you want and say, okay, Warren Buffett would would just be focused on your investments. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that it's just giving the money to Warren today. He's got a lot of things to think about. Warren's got a big company mm-hmm. to run. Also, he's not really the, the swashbuckling investor that he was at one point. Now, I'm, I'm still a relatively young guy, and I've got a long way to retirement. So I would like somebody that's going to invest in that way. And, and for Berkshire's portfolio, uh, Buffett is, it is, is investing uh, a lot more conservatively today. So I would shoot – there are many investors, uh, Manish Pabrai um, uh, over, at, uh, over at Markel uh, – What's, what's his name? Tom Gaynor. Tom Gaynor. Thank you. Tom Gaynor over at Markell. Um, Seth Klarman, mm-hmm. who runs the Bow Post Fund. There are a lot of investors. Those are just three
1: off the top of my head that I'd like to uh, put my money in. I'm going with you. W- Warren talks about not diversifying too much. I don't think three investors is too diversified. So I'm giving my life savings to three as well. Bruce Berkowitz, too. That's he's not bad. I mean, he's, he's not bad at all.
0: All right, let's finish out the day, as we always do, on the Twitter
1: sphere. All right, the first Twitter one Twitter we're looking at is about Jamie Dimon from David. Widener, he says, Jamie Dimon is a Ken Lewis with confidence. And he links out to an article saying that uh, Jamie Dimon's been praised a fair amount uh, since the financial crisis, but he's saying maybe he's just been praised because everyone he's compared to isn't that great. And he pointed out Ken Lewis, Ken Thompson from Wachovia, uh, multiple Citigroup CEOs in the past. So fair comparison there? What do you think? No.
0: I mean, if, if he's saying that the people that he was compared to weren't that good, and he's better. Well, guess what? He's better. He's better.
1: He's, but not, he's saying he's not great. He's better, but he's not... J.P. Morgan was seen as such a gold standard. They could do no wrong, and that doesn't appear to be the case.
0: The, the the Jekyll and Hyde media thing on on Jamie Dimon and, and J.P. Morgan has been really strange, I think, because he was... Dimon was seen as the second coming. J.P. Morgan was seen as the gold standard after the financial crisis, and now that's been totally turned on its head. I think... I, I, I'm not into conspiracies, but I think there's something political involved in there. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's something political involved there. Uh, I, I think Jamie Dimon is a good, solid banker. I, I, don't, I don't think we need to say more. I don't think we need to say less. He's much better than Ken Lewis, uh, and he's certainly better than a lot of the other bankers that he was uh, with prior
1: to the financial crisis. Now, while you were gone, you missed the, the tentative $13 billion settlement. Quick thoughts on that? Happy that it's out there? I'm happy that they're going to
0: be able to move past it. As a shareholder, am I happy that $13 billion is going out the door for something which, I, yes, I, I think it was a little bit of a shakedown. I, I do. I do. That's, kind of, that's my feeling about it. But J.P. Morgan has a huge amount of earnings power. So $13 billion hurts, mm-hmm. but the company's going to get past it and continue to execute.
1: All right, moving on to the next tweet. Talking some strong banks here. This is from... You want to take you, this one? Are, are you going to let me... Are you going to You can take this one I, I can Kate read the long. third.
0: I, Go for it. <laughs> this is from Kate Long. That's at C-A-T-E underscore long. No U.S. banks in the world's top 10 strongest banks.
1: And she links out to a, a visual there from Bloomberg. No U.S. banks in the top 10, like she says. The first U.S. bank on there of the big ones. Citigroup, number 17. You just said you just bought Citigroup. Make you feel good... But once you give your answer, I'll give my rebuttal. Does that make you feel good? Sure, sure. Oh, I mean, that Citigroup is is
0: top among there. What was the what was the measurement
1: that they used? They were looking. They were looking at, at tier one capital and also some some loan metrics there. So,
0: I, I, it frankly surprises me a little bit that that U.S. banks weren't higher up. What, so, so, how are you going to contradict me? You were expecting me to not, say... not to
1: contradict you, but I was going to c- contradict the list a little bit from an investor's perspective. Just because a bank is strong doesn't mean that's a no-brainer stock to buy. Um, On the list there were a lot of Canadian banks, which, in my opinion, aren't very attractively valued right now for (laughs) for a long-term investor. So just because a bank is super strong doesn't mean in any circumstance... It's a buy. I just wanted to... to well,
0: also, I mean, also, particularly when we're talking about the Canadian banks, you have to consider the region that they're operating in and what the economic dynamics are. And as we've mentioned before on this show, there's a little bit of unease about what's going on in, in Canada, particularly as it uh, pertains to the housing market there.
1: Right. All right. Moving on to last week, going back to the J.P. Morgan, $13 billion. This is from our Twitter account at TMF Financials. You can tweet us there. And the tweet is, J.P. Morgan's settlement would make it the 121st largest country by GDP last year, eclipsing Chad, which only had a GDP of just north of $11 billion. And that stat was actually from our very own Patrick Morris. He did an article yesterday. 13 things smaller than the J.P. Morgan settlement. I would encourage everyone to go out. I imagine and, that there are plenty of them. Out. <laughs> it was very interesting. So, 121st biggest country. Not bad. Not, not bad at all. I, you know, I...
0: I think I saw somebody comment on this that it was an example of no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. a lot of A lot of what this settlement stemmed from were the were the mortgage uh, the mortgage packaging stuff that was done by Washington Mutual, that was done by Bear Stearns, both of those purchased by JP. Morgan at a time when if somebody hadn't stepped up to purchase them. It probably would have meant some, some more difficult turmoil mm-hmm. for the U.S. economy. So it's kind of like, I, I mean, they, J.P. Morgan got a really good deal on both of those banks. So maybe this is just paying a higher price for mm-hmm. it. And, and in retrospect, the deals probably still look pretty good, even when you tack on this $13 billion. But, yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a nice chunk of change. Though. It is a nice chunk of change. <laughs> well, that's our show for today. I am back, and I will be here all week. But, of course, David will be here all week. Because always. He is always here. <laughs> Thanks for watching, folks. We will see you tomorrow.